2: Welcome everybody to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. This is our week 14 recap and our week 15 look ahead. The look ahead is really interesting this week because it feels like Thanksgiving, right? We've got three games on Saturday, all of them isolated: 12:30, I believe 4:30, and 8:15. That makes for a very, very interesting slate of games. They're very interesting from a late swap and just from a construction standpoint. So I'm excited to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to certainly talk about it on Thursday when I have Mike McClure with me. And uh, I do want to give out a congratulations. Oh, by the way, we're going to have two contests. We're going to have a Saturday contest and we're going to have a Sunday contest. Those contests are active right now and they're just $5. So jump in. It's in the YouTube description. It'll be in the podcast description. Jump in there right when you hear my voice, if you're listening to the podcast uh, after the fact, and register for both Sunday and Saturday, the three-game slate and the Sunday 10-game slate. I do want to give a congratulations to... SD McClanahan, who won our FFT DFS week 14 contest. Congratulations to him or her. Hopefully that person jumps in the chat so we can give uh, you a pat on the back. Again, we have three games on Saturday and we have our 10 game slate on Sunday. But first, you guys know how we do it, right? We race through our lineup recap. And I do want to mention a programming note before we pull up my cash lineup from week 14. Our Thursday show, which is always at 5 o'clock, is going to be at 4 o'clock. So we're going to be one hour earlier on Thursday, me and Mike McClure. So we'll be doing our game-by-game preview, Mike's top three, our cheat sheet. All of that will happen on Thursday at 4 o'clock instead of 5 o'clock. But let's get right to it because this might be a long show. I don't want it to go over an hour. Sometimes you guys know I just talk so much, right? And I want to get through these lineup recaps because I want to talk about the Saturday slate and the Sunday slate in terms of taking an early look at pricing. So, Zach, let's bring up my cash lineup. This one was was certainly a a winner. We had one hundred and fifty five in change. Oh, no, not in change. One hundred and fifty five. Exactly, actually. So, you know, this is just a standard double up. And these are all players we talked about. The one player that we didn't really talk about that I actually had in here was Latavius Murray. And frankly, that was kind of regrettable. I got into a price range where he just kind of made sense for me. It was just kind of like the last man in. Uh, I don't I didn't like the idea of playing Latavius Murray, period. I know he was popular in certain circles, but I ended up throwing him in my cash game. I didn't think he could hurt me too bad. It turns out he kind of did hurt me, but I ended up cashing anyway. For those of you that are listening and not watching us on YouTube, Shame on you. Also, those of you that are in YouTube, I will get to your questions in a little bit. Whether you have Redraft or DFS, we'll try to answer them, but hit the like button if you're in YouTube. So here's my lineup for those of you that are listening and not watching. Jared Goff, Latavius Murray, Derek Henry, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Moore, Greg Dulcich, Garrett Wilson, and the Steelers defense. Uh, Pretty easy cash here. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown didn't do anything, but Check this out 87.5% ownership. Like doesn't really matter. He could have had a zero. It wouldn't, it pretty much wouldn't have mattered. So that one, you know, that that one really struggled for tournaments more than anything. And that was certainly a guy to get away from in tournaments if you had the the courage to do so. I played a lot of Amon Ross St. Brown. I also played a lot of DJ Shark. And I played a lot of golf with both of those guys. I you guys know I loved DJ Shark this week, and I loved Chris Moore this week. And I told you I was playing a lot of Chris Moore. And so I, I hope and I know I got a lot of direct messages from people telling me, hey, man, Chris Moore. Great call. Love that call. For the record, I think he's forty two hundred this week. And, and I think he's still extremely valuable at that price. We'll get to that when we get to our early look. But, you know, no bells and whistles with this lineup is pretty standard. My stack is Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. Derek Henry. You guys know how much I loved him. He should have had. Listen, this this guy had one hundred yards after the first quarter and the game just kind of got away from them the 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 titans got really sloppy with fumbles and interceptions and very uncharacteristic of the titans but if they had managed to keep that positive game script or even a neutral game script i'm not even like exaggerating this guy could have gone for 220 yards and three touchdowns maybe more he was absolutely dominant he was doing the things we all projected him to do but when you turn it over three times within you know 10 minutes all of a sudden the game script's going to change a little bit and you're going to be struggling. And that's exactly what happened to the Titans. So I feel like my week in total, like I had a great week, by the way, but it should have been a lot bigger. And uh, Derek Henry was a part of that, even though, you know, he was pretty highly owned, obviously in cash, but in tournaments certainly had some ownership as well. But again, Chris Moore is, is kind of the piece in this lineup that might be a little bit different, but he did have 11% ownership. Jamar Chase, under 10% ownership. Not really sure what that's about, to be honest with you. 7,900 Jamar Chase. We, I mean, we talked about it like there, there were guys that were 7,900 specifically, Derek Henry and Jamar Chase, that like those numbers weren't right like that, that those guys could have been 8,600 and, and they were still very playable. So I uh, don't really understand why people didn't get onto Jamar Chase there. Uh, but yeah, pretty good lineup. Steelers defense didn't hurt me, didn't help me. Garrett Wilson didn't hurt me, didn't help me. Greg Dulcich at 3,400. I'll take a seven from him. I mean, it was the Jerry Judy show. I wish I had more of him in tournaments. It turns out I ended up opting for Greg Dulcich because there were so many other receivers I liked, namely Chris Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, uh, DJ Shark, I played a lot of. So, you know, I can't fit Judy into those lineups, right? There's only so many receivers I can play. So we can move on from this lineup and check out Mike's GPP lineup. But again, uh, cash game proving to be very valuable. I think it was two weeks ago my cash game didn't hit, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, I've been hitting cash games at, I don't know, about a 75%. To 80% rate this year. And every single time, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing like some expert is doing. These are all plays that we talk about, and they're all generally pretty obvious plays. So, you know, I do think it's harder. I think cash games are a little bit harder now versus the beginning of the year, but I just, they seem to cash. All the time. And, and again, I don't want you to be afraid to stack in cash games. I know that's kind of a rule for some people, you, you know, don't stack because it can really hurt you. Well, I think that's maybe how you you do get kind of an edge in some of these cash games. If you remember last week, I actually had the, the quarterback stacked with two guys, a tight end and a receiver. You don't necessarily need to go that far, but I, I do like the idea of stacking, especially in a high confidence game, which of course, Jared Goff, that was, if you guys remember my cheat sheet. Jared Goff in a Ross St. Brown. That was, that was my stack. So Jared Goff, I was going to play. And we talked about, we talked about Huntley, right. And we see Huntley here at, at Mike's GPP lineup. Remember somebody in the chat asked, Hey, you know, Mike, are you playing Huntley in your cash and GPP lineups? And he said, yes. And then I said, I, I'm that Mike has convinced me to play a, maybe a couple Tyler Huntley tournament lineups, but in cash, I'm going with Goff or I'm going with Joe Burrow and Huntley takes a backseat to those two guys. So uh, just, you know, Goff was an easy play in cash. You know, I, I just really think it was. So uh, I, we'll, we'll have some easy plays this week as well, particularly on that Sunday slate. Mike's lineup, Tyler Huntley, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Jamar Chase. Interesting, oh, so this is a GPP lineup. So it's interesting that he has 21% here, but in cash, it was under 10% in my tournament. But again, I'll start over. Tyler Huntley, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Moore, Greg Dulcich, Kendall Hinton, and the Cowboys defense. Man, the Cowboys defense was such a letdown. You know, I had told you all, even on the Tuesday early look show that this might be a spot to pay up for defense. And it's interesting that that's what a lot of people ended up doing. Look, this is a tournament lineup and the Cowboys defense is 30%. So we we saw what the Cleveland defense did to Houston. Not that everybody, anybody was expecting that necessarily, but you're certainly expecting the Cowboys to maybe score a touchdown on defense, maybe get a few sacks and interception and probably pile up somewhere between 12 and 14 points, almost like as a floor. And that they had potentially had a ceiling of of something near what the Cleveland Browns had. So paying up certainly didn't help there. I played a lot of Cowboys defense, to be honest with you. I played a lot of San Francisco defense, which was great. And I played a lot of, you know, some of the Jets and, and, and some defenses like that, which were, were in Steelers, of course, which were just fine. So um, this lineup didn't end up cashing. And we know why. Right. You know, he Mike didn't make any secret about it. He was going to be all in on Tyler Huntley. And he knew, he, he told everybody, this is either going to crash and burn or it's going to be really get great against Pittsburgh. And Tyler Huntley did leave the game early. He wasn't really tracking very well, you know, when he was playing. But nonetheless, you know, th- these are the risks you take. There were guys in the, in the 5K range that you could have played like Jared Goff, but this was more the contrarian play. And this was more of the play where you know, you could potentially see an explosion with the, you know, rush yards and, and rushing touchdowns and things of that of, of that nature. So there were a lot of 5K guys to play, you know, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Huntley, Russell Wilson, which I, I honestly wish I talked about a little bit more given, you know, he's bad, but and the Chiefs are bad. But the negative game script and the concentration of targets, we talked about Judy and Dulcich, but we didn't really talk about them as they related to a stack with Russell Wilson, which actually would have ended up paying off. So um, this is Mike's tournament lineup. Again, doesn't cash. But, you know, we talk about this a lot on tournaments. You know, you're either trying to come close to last place or close to first place, and you're not really looking for the in-between. So he had a couple chalky guys in this lineup like Tony Pollard, Derek Henry and Amon Ross St. Brown. But, you know, he certainly got away from some of the chalk with Tyler Huntley, with Chris Moore, Kendall Hinton. So uh, totally get this lineup. It just didn't work out for him because Tyler Huntley just kind of had a dud there. So let's get to my GPP lineup. This one, um, this one scored it. It could have been a little bit better if Amon Ross St. Brown had shown up a little bit. But this lineup put up 173.6 points, and it's a golf double stack. This is what I was talking about when I said I, you know, I had golf in a lot of lineups with Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Shark. DJ Shark actually had 20% ownership in this tournament lineup, which is. A touch higher than I thought. Amon Ross St. Brown, almost 50% ownership. Um, We see this is a pretty chalky lineup outside of Chris Moore and Isaiah Pacheco. So the double stack I thought was going to be a construction that not a ton of people had. So again, my lineup is Jared Goff, Isaiah Pacheco, Derrick Henry, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Moore, Greg Dulcich, DJ Shark. And again, we see the Steelers defense. That's just something that fit in for me from a price standpoint in this particular case. But um, this lineup scored 173.6. It's certainly, a, you know, a decent score. Golf to Shark really paid off. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't. But then again, half the field uh, fell victim to that. Justin Jefferson, a third of the field had him, but he absolutely paid off. And, you know, Derrick Henry and Isaiah Pacheco, those were kind of the disappointments. Derek Henry had a great game, but it should have been twice as good, in my opinion. And at 23.9% ownership, yeah, that's really chalky. But I'm still passing 75% of the field if this guy completely goes off, which again, he really should have Isaiah Pacheco at 8%. I, I really like that play. Uh, obviously McKinnon got all of the work. I like Pacheco this week, by the way. And I'm kind of hoping people are like, oh, I'm not really sure about Pacheco because you never know if it's going to be him or McKinnon. Boy, do I like Pacheco this week? I, I like all the Kansas city chiefs this week, um, but Pacheco's probably my favorite and we'll get to it, but it doesn't, it's not out of the realm of possibility that I play Pacheco with Patrick Mahomes and I just roll the dice, hope McKinnon gets nothing, and I gobble up all the points through the air and through the ground. Of course, I can obviously pair um, Mahomes with uh, pass catchers as well, but that's just something I'm considering. Uh, Yeah, again, I like this lineup. I I told you all on Thursday, I loved Chris Moore. I played him in almost every single lineup, and I think you all should have too. At 3,400, he was going to be the guy. Philip Dorsett, we knew kind of wasn't going to be the guy. He's never the guy. He's going to play on the outside. He's very inefficient, and the quarterback, frankly, is inefficient getting to him. Outside of the numbers, for the most part, but Chris Moore is a completely different story. I think you could have played Amari Rogers, which is interesting because Amari had a good game, and I think that's somebody to consider maybe in a big tournament setup this week. Um, maybe you get off the to the extent Chris Moore becomes chalk because the industry just apparently just found out about him. You you get off him and and or maybe you maybe you play Chris Moore and Amari Rogers. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but. Uh, that that's a guy that I think is at least interesting if Nico Collins and Brandon cooks remain out, but nothing super special about this lineup. I tried to get different with my construction golf to Brown and DJ shark. Um, Chris Moore and Greg Dulcich were fixtures in most of my lineup. And if I'm going to play that double stack with Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ shark, you better believe I'm bringing it back with somebody. We don't always correlate our lineups in terms of a bring back. Sometimes, you know, you can just avoid that. But in this particular case, obviously for for those of you that are new, if I'm expecting Goff to feed Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Shark and, and for them to have near ceiling games, then obviously I'm I'm expecting the Minnesota Vikings to push the Detroit Lions as well to to go after those ceiling games. So Justin Jefferson obviously made a ton of sense there. I could have gotten super contrarian there and gone Dalvin Cook. I think I did do that in a lineup or two. That certainly didn't work out. So uh I think this is a really good lineup. I think Derrick Henry should have gotten there. I think Isaiah Pacheco certainly could have had a ceiling game. It just it just wasn't his day um on Sunday, but I really like this lineup. I think it had a lot of, I actually think it had some outright potential with the construction and with Isaiah Pacheco in there. So, um, and Chris Moore under 10%. So we can move on from that and we go to the FFT DFS winning lineup. For those of you looking for Mike's cash game or cash tournament lineup, up cash tournament lineup, that's uh, a paradox. He didn't do one. So he hasn't been doing a lot of cash lineups lately. So, um, you know, we, if he does a cash lineup, we will go ahead and, and put that in there. He usually kind of reserves the first eight, nine weeks to do to do a lot of cash lineups. And then he just goes all tournament the rest of the way. Me, on the other hand, I'm playing the same amount of cash, which is usually one or two cash lineups, as in, in terms of construction. And I play a handful of tournament lineups, usually single entry, three max, Um You know, I'm usually doing about seven to 10 different variations of cash lineups. So excuse me, tournament lineups. So FYI on that. And then this is SD McClanahan, the winner of our FFT DFS contest, almost 200 points, 198.80. We see a ton of familiar names in here. Uh, Jared Goff to Amon Ra St. Brown. So that was, that was okay. Amon Ra didn't really do his, his part there. Joe Mixon and Tony Pollard, Justin Jefferson, Chris Moore. There's that man. uh, Chig Okonkwo. Akonkwo. Um, this is a guy that was really picking up steam just in, in the industry. It wasn't a guy that we talked up a lot. I think we mentioned him on Thursday, maybe on Tuesday, but not a guy I was going to be on because I just didn't really like his target share. Um, I, he certainly has plenty of upside. He has upside this week too, but you know, Austin Hooper is there. I didn't know how much the Titans were really going to need to pass. I thought it was going to be strictly the Derrick Henry show with a, a couple pepperings to, Nick Westbrook, Akine, and and maybe Robert Woods. So Akanku got there. He he had a really long touchdown, and it worked out for him. It worked out for anybody who played him. Twenty percent ownership in in our contest. So that that's pretty high. Um, but this is a great lineup, and it's it won because of Jerry Judy. That was the guy I left out. So he played Jerry Judy and the Jets D. Jerry Judy in the flex spot. Nine point five percent ownership. Jerry Judy made so much sense. We knew that. It was just a matter of you know whether you were going to get around to playing him and just trusting that all the targets were going to go to him, which, you know, turns out they, they pretty much did. Eight receptions, 73 receiving yards, um, three receiving touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's a break the slate type of guy, 33.3 points. And that is really what got him there. You know, you can have an underwhelming Amon Ross St. Brown. You can have an underwhelming Joe Mixon and Tony Pollard, frankly, when you have Jerry Judy. And that's just how you win tournaments. If you have that guy, if you have Justin Jefferson, who was that guy last week, you have Jerry Judy, who was that guy last week. You will win some tournaments, or at the very least, if the tournament's bigger than this 200 one, you know you're going to come into the top, come inside the top 20, top 50, really easy if you have those two guys and in a decent lineup around it. So, real big congratulations to SD McClanahan. Uh, this is this is a great lineup, uh, very very good lineup. So, we can move on. You know, I, I want to get to. I'm going to pull up the the chat in, in a second, and I want everybody. Who is in here forgive me for not commenting on any of this stuff that that's in here but if any, anybody who's in here please make sure you hit the like button we're gonna talk about the Saturday slate real quick some of my favorite plays and then we'll get to the Sunday slate and then um you know at some point I'll probably bring on uh, uh Zach to maybe answer some of these questions or actually you know what Zach I'm gonna ask you what your favorite stack is on the Saturday slate once we finish doing that but for now uh, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna hear a message from our partners.
3: to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are
2: back. My name is Sina Job. This is The Solo Pod. This is Fantasy Football Today. DFS, and we have a Saturday slate to talk about. It's this time of year, right? Where we have some Saturday games and we're going to have it next week as well. Um, these slates are going to, do, going to be really interesting. And from a strategic standpoint, I think there's a lot of strategy here. We're going to talk about it more on Thursday with Mike. But I do want to mention, you know, this is just like the Thursday, excuse me, what was Thursday, right? Thanksgiving was on Thursday. This is just like the Thanksgiving slate. So we have these three games. It really gives us the benefit of, doing things that are a little bit different. If you remember some of the rules we talked about from these shorter slates, especially when they're not when you don't have games coming over top of each other, when you have when you have three distinctly separate games from a time standpoint, it allows you to do a lot. So so I want to encourage everybody to have different constructions to throw out some of the rules from a correlation standpoint to overstack to to take contrarian darts, to take contrarian stacks, contrarian plays. Because I think that's where, you know, th- this is where it's going to pay off. And the reason for that is because in, in three games, when you have a lot of guys that there's only so many guys to choose from, right. And so you're going to have a lot of popular stacks, you know, in, in this particular slate, I think you can go a lot of different directions. So maybe the, co- the concentration of ownership won't be as much as it was on Thanksgiving. But with that said, you got to know people are going to end up sort of in the same hemispheres when it comes to construction and when it comes to guys, they're going to stack. So don't be afraid to be different. Sometimes you're going to have a defense going up against, you know, maybe a stack or maybe a a one or two players that, that you have, you know, chosen as a part of your lineup. So don't be afraid to do that. This is one of those, it's three games. Um, You don't need to be conventional. Just try to try to get the best plays, try to find the ceiling plays more on that on Thursday. And maybe on Saturday before the games, maybe I'll open something up on Twitter where um, maybe some, if there's some last minute questions that come in, because the one problem with this Saturday slate, Sunday too, to some degree uh, there's some weather, you know, there's some weather concerns here, particularly when it comes to that Buffalo game, which is at Buffalo, they're hosting Miami. We think Tyreek Hill is, healthy. I think he's healthy, but more importantly, like, is there snow? Is there going to be snow on the ground? You know, is, is it going to be snowing? Is it going to be windy? Like, these are all things that are concerns. Um, looking at the chat before I get to this, Lawson Smith. Thanks guys. You rock finished six and one to get the four seat. Okay. That's great. Um, Richie Smalls says, what up? sia what up? Richie smalls ETN or Walker or half PPR. Maybe we'll get that at the, get to that at the end of the show. Mike Chavez says, Pacheco McKinnon, double stack. Uh, That's interesting because I actually thought of that today, but I I don't think that's, that's not advisable in my opinion. And you could do it. Um, I would probably just pick one. It's going to be Pacheco for B, but but McKinnon certainly spells value. I just wonder how much, Mike, they're going to need McKinnon in this particular game. Because I feel like McKinnon comes in when... The game is kind of on the line or or the offense needs a boost, particularly in, in the passing game. And McKinnon is just always in the right place at the right time. I mean, I think we're going to see in the playoffs, we're going to see McKinnon's snap share all of a sudden go up, especially in some of these games where it's close down the stretch. So in this game against Houston, I, I think you're going to be looking at a, a little bit more of Pacheco um, through the third and fourth quarter. And I will say this. I loved how he finished that game. That game was in doubt. And I don't know if, if you remember his last run. But he had to get a first down to make sure they closed the game out and didn't give the ball back to, I guess it was Brett Rippon and company at that point, because Russell Wilson was injured. And Pacheco like basically mauled and bowled over like two or three guys to get a first down. And he looked like an absolute beast. And if you saw what was happening on the sideline after that, his teammates were super hyped up about it. So I think Pacheco has earned himself that guy, if they are in the lead to just be the bruiser that just takes people out, gobbles up first downs and potentially touchdowns. So Pacheco McKinnon is interesting. I I don't hate it, but I would, for me, it's just going to be Pacheco. I'm going to be off McKinnon's spike game from last week. Okay. So let's talk about some quarterbacks. You know, there's actually a lot of quarterbacks on this Saturday slate. I like, we're going to go through this pretty fast. So Josh Allen is interesting at 8,300. I don't know how much Josh Allen I'm going to play. Like, obviously, you can absolutely expose the the Miami defense. I think this is a little weather dependent for me. Um, I think Josh Allen is obviously a great play. This could end up being a high scoring game. But the total on this game, last I checked, I think it was 43. Um, It's not a high total because I think weather is coming into play. And for the record, Josh Allen hasn't been that dude for a while. I'm not saying he's not that dude. I'm just saying that I don't know if it's the elbow injury or if people are just kind of figuring out Ken Dorsey's offense or whatever it is. Listen, he can have an amazing game, but if it's me on a short slate, I don't think I want to take the guy that most people are going to want to gravitate to. I think I'm I'm going to want to go down, not to Tua. Uh, I think I'm going to want to go down to one of three guys, Deshaun Watson. We'll have to monitor the, the, the weather there, but um, it looks like it's just going to be cold in Cleveland. I think Watson is interesting because I don't think a lot of people w- will want to play him off two pretty underwhelming games. I think you can expose this Baltimore defense, especially if if we're going to see some short fields. Who's playing quarterback for Baltimore? I don't know that it's Tyler Huntley. It's not going to be Lamar Jackson. So I think there is a situation where Deshaun Watson could get some cheap touchdowns and could find himself looking like the Deshaun Watson of old after two games. But it's that Cousins-Matt Ryan game that I'm particularly interested in. And believe it or not, and I've been on this dude for when I say on this dude, I mean like railing against this dude since week one. But Matt Ryan isn't a bad play this week, everybody. Maybe it's obvious to some of you, and maybe some of you are like, "What? It like see is high? Like this is this makes no sense." He's fifty-two hundred. Again, he gets to play in the good conditions. We're worried about the the wind and the ice and in the the maybe sleet or snow in Buffalo. We're worried about maybe wind and super cold temperatures in Cleveland. Well, we're not worried about that in Minnesota. And what do the Minnesota Vikings do well? Actually, not much, as it turns out. But what they really don't do well is defend the pass. If Matt Ryan were to have one good game for the rest of his career, it's this game. The Minnesota Vikings are deplorable defending the pass. And as much as I don't like Matt Ryan, if he gets time, we know he has the targets. We know he has a respectable running back behind him that could keep some of the linebackers, some of the defense Honest, And so if you're talking about Matt Ryan to Michael Pittman, or Paris Campbell, or Alec Pierce, I think that's all in play. Uh, for me, uh, from a stacking standpoint, it's Matt Ryan to Pittman, and I'm probably double stacking him, maybe with jo- Jonathan Taylor, because yeah, it's a short slate, like do whatever you want, like the, that's absolutely in play. But also maybe Paris Campbell, and and the reason I mentioned Paris Campbell is because we'll get to receivers in a second. But he's more expensive than Alec Pierce, and because Alec Pierce is kind of deemed this 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 deeper threat, I think he's going to get a lot of attention because we know Minnesota, you know, that they give up they give up deep passes, and if Alec Pierce is the 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 deep guy. And he's I think six or seven hundred dollars cheaper than Paris Campbell. I think that's going to be the natural stopping point for people on that, whether they're stacking or not. Maybe they're just trying to get a piece of this game, and they're just like, all right, I'm I'm stacking the Buffalo game and Miami, and I'm trying to get some cheap pieces. Oh, there's Alec Pierce. Let me let me let me add him. So for me, I'm going to be doing some Matt Ryan to Michael Pittman to Paris Campbell, some Matt Ryan to Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to be doing things like that, and you know Alec Pierce might make his way into a lineup, but he's kind of. He's kind of fourth fiddle for me in this game, but I do like Matt Ryan. I think cousins is fine, but I don't think I'm going to end up playing him for me. It's probably going to be Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen. And it's probably going to be in that order. If I'm playing five lineups, it's very likely that two of them, maybe three, believe it or not. Again, it's a short slate. I'm not afraid to do some weird stuff. I think three of them might be Matt Ryan. One might be Watson and one might be Josh Allen. So I haven't actually like, you know, confirm that with myself yet but that's kind of where I'm headed we can move to running back now um this one is interesting I think we we need a little bit more information on on a couple things here you know Nick Chubb makes a lot of sense uh, I don't know how many people are going to be playing him but he's certainly affordable Jonathan Taylor makes sense against against Minnesota uh Dalvin Cook makes sense to me. I'm not sure where I'm going here. I'm probably going to settle on some cheaper guys. And and I think these cheaper guys, because they're in play, I think a lot of people will end up going up to Josh Allen again, if the weather is decent, because you can get away with some cheap pieces at the wide receiver and the running back position. Some of the cheap pieces at the running back position, uh, Raheem Mostert with likely no Jeff Wilson. Uh, He certainly makes sense. um, If he's going to be basically the exclusive running back or, you know, 80% of the touches running back against Buffalo. Um, Let's see, James Cook, you know, I wasn't really into that experiment last week. I wasn't really leaning on the spike game, spike production, spike usage from the week before. I get it that people wanted to do that. But I think the idea that James Cook was like definitely going to take over and have, you know, pretty much explosive games, some of the games we might have seen from Singletary, you know, four or five weeks ago, you know, yeah, that definitely could have happened. But we can't be surprised because we haven't seen it from James cook on a consistent level. So I think James cook is fine at, at 4,800 against Miami. I think Kareem hunt at 4,300 is interesting. If we can actually scroll down to Kareem hunt real quick, he's 4,300. So scroll down a little bit and click on his game log. I want to see what happened last week. Cause I'm not sure. Okay. So only at four carries for six yards, only four targets uh, caught two of them. You know, that's, that's not terrible. He had 11 touches the week before nine of them were through the ground. So he, he was actually pretty active in that game early, from what I recall, from a running game standpoint. He just wasn't productive. So I guess they just ended up going away from him. But at 4,300, I think Kareem Hunt is a fine dart throw. So that's somebody to consider. Um, at the wide receiver position, we can go there next. And by the way, I know I'm probably leaving some some value plays out. I'm really just talking about some of the guys that I think I'm going to play. As far as the running backs go, when it comes to Chubb or JT and Dalvin, like I think it kind of depends on what stacks I'm I'm utilizing you know, if I'm doing a Matt Ryan stack that doesn't involve Jonathan Taylor, let's say I'm double stacking Matt Ryan, but Jonathan Taylor isn't in that stack. It's with Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. It's very likely I'm going to Dalvin Cook as a, as a high end running back or, or Nick Chubb. And the reverse is true. Obviously if I'm, if I'm stacking Matt Ryan or if I'm not stacking Matt Ryan, but I'm using Jonathan Taylor, you know, then maybe I'm getting away from either Chubb or JT or, or, or either Chubb or Dalvin or both. So just, the the thing for me is the stack, and I want to be different with my stack as well. So my starting point on Saturday is: all right, what quarterback do I want to use? And I'm going to let the pieces you know fall where they may from from there. Wide receiver position, we see Justin Jefferson at the top. Um, you know the opponent rank first place. That's a little misleading, okay? Like Indianapolis, they're just a really bad team. Not like not a lot of teams pass against them because they have huge leads. So let's take this with a grain of salt. You know, Justin Jefferson. I don't think that's good. That first place thing is going to deter many people. I think Justin Jefferson can absolutely cruise in this game. I think Hawkinson is in play. I think Adam Thielen is in play. I think KJ Osborne as a, as a sort of a contrarian play is absolutely in play. Um, I don't know yet if I'm getting to Justin Jefferson, maybe we'll talk about that on Thursday uh, when we do our game by game preview, because we'll touch on the Saturday slate, but uh, I I like Justin Jefferson. I just don't know if if I'm going to make it there with him. If I'm doing the Matt Ryan stack, I can certainly afford Justin Jefferson, right? In fact, it's certainly possible that I could, I could do a Matt Ryan stack that that is able to afford Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. I mean, I don't mind doing that. I think I think that's plausible, especially if I'm not stacking Matt Ryan with Michael Pittman. If I go down to Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell, which you know is a little touch and go there, but I think there are easily because pricing is pretty soft in my opinion. I think easily you can have a Matt Ryan stack. Again, he's only fifty two hundred on DraftKings with two receivers or one, however you want to play it, and you bring it back with. Um, two Minnesota Vikings. If you're going to bring it back with two Minnesota Vikings, you're probably going to want to double stack Matt Ryan, obviously, because you're you're expecting fireworks on both sides. Tyreek Hill, I'm not super sure about. I think we have to wait for status reports on him and the weather on him, but I certainly don't mind it. If he's going to start and if people are intimidated by him being injured, uh, you know, he's obviously a pretty great play in, in that circumstance. Stephon Diggs, probably not paying up for him unless I'm doing a Josh Allen stack, uh, which I think is very much in play. The only other guys that I, I kind of I'm looking at here. Uh, Waddle at seven thousand makes a lot of sense. You know, if Tyreek Hill plays, he might be a little banged up, and, and he and he's gonna get he's gonna get touches, he's gonna get looks, but he could also be kind of like a little decoyish. And I, I could see an absolute spike game from Jalen Waddle against Buffalo. I'm not intimidated by the Buffalo defense, particularly in the secondary. So, uh, I think Jalen Waddle is a really, really nice price point uh, off of Tyreek Hill. That's a two thousand dollar difference. Like that is. That, that is a pretty great difference. So even though Waddle hasn't been super productive as of late, I think 7,000 is a bargain on this slate. Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, Amari's 6,100, DPJ is 5,100. I think they're both in play. People will want to jam in Donovan Peoples-Jones, which totally makes sense, and, and I'll probably play a little bit of him as well. But Amari Cooper could absolutely get there. DPJ has been getting a ton of targets. He had 12 targets last week. But you know, it's to me, it's a toss-up between the two, and if people are going to fall on DPJ because he's only 5,100, then the smart thing to do is to play some Amari Cooper as well. In other words, play Amari Cooper instead of Donovan Peoples Jones or play him with Donovan Peoples Jones in a Deshaun Watson stack. Uh, I think all of that is in play. But again, we see what DPJ has been doing with the targets. We see he's been pretty productive. You know, he is a deep ball threat against a Baltimore secondary that, you know, is has been playing a little bit better over the last four or five, six weeks, but you know, still isn't hyper talented like the Baltimore Ravens of old. I think Amari Cooper's in play at 6,100 for sure. Um, As we go down the list, I already mentioned Michael Pittman at 5,800. Certainly like him. And I I think that's it. If we could scroll down maybe to to the under 5K range, I mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, Gabe Davis, that's fine if you want to play him. 5,000, he could absolutely spike. I mentioned Paris Campbell at 4,400. I like him. Isaiah McKenzie, not a huge fan. Um, He hasn't really popped as of late. Maybe a few weeks ago he did, but I think Isaiah McKenzie's in play, certainly in a Josh Allen stack with, let's say, Stefan Diggs. And you don't have to go down that far, Zach. Actually, go back up to like that 3,500 to 4,000. Yeah, right here. Uh, Trent Sherfield probably getting too cute there. K.J. Osborne, probably in play. I think Alec Pierce at 3,900 is, is definitely going to be um, pretty popular. Um, I think he's just going to be an easy fit. We know the Minnesota secondary is bad. And so who are you going to pick? You're probably going to pick the cheapest guy, especially if you're not stacking that game. If you're just trying to go in and get a couple pieces of this game, maybe you do Jonathan Taylor, you do Alec Pierce, and you're planning on playing, you know, Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson or Dalvin Cook. It's it's very easy to do those things and justify the Alec Pierce play at 3,900 because he's going to save you money off those high, high price guys that we just talked about. Um, Tight end. Let's go over that real quick. There's only three that I really have on my radar. It's Hawkinson who I think is great and and should be a target monster. Again, we're talking the Saturday slate for those of you that came in late. And if you did come in late, hit that like button. Uh, Njoku, I like a lot. We can go ahead and hit on his game log real quick. Njoku was was a beast last week, and he caught an amazing, amazing uh, touchdown catch last week. Uh, He had a touchdown, as you can see here, seven receptions on nine targets. And oh, by the way, the week before, five receptions on seven targets. Oh, I shouldn't say the week before. That was two weeks before, in, in week twelve. But the point is, um, this is this is a guy. Like the, the Cleveland Browns have a lot of guys you can you can play with Deshaun Watson, and Injoku is obviously one of them. It's basically Injoku, Amari Cooper, and um, and Donovan Peoples Jones. You can play a two tight end set on Saturday too. Don't be afraid to play Injoku with, let's say, T.J. Hawkinson or Dawson Knox. Who I, you guys remember me from last week, right? I was downright disrespectful to, to people who play Dawson Knox, but I I, I got to own it, right? He had seven targets last week and scored a pretty ridiculous touchdown. Now, again, it's the James Cook situation all over again. Are you actually expecting that next week? I'm not. So I, I think he's fine at, at 3,900, particularly in, in stacks that involve the, the Dolphins and the Bills. Maybe you want to take him as a one-off in that game. That's fine if you want to do that, but I much prefer just paying up the 300 to Njoku, even if it's going to be more popular. So, I think that's it for the Saturday slate. Zach, before we get into the Sunday slate, I actually wanted to bring you on if I could and just ask you, is there any anybody on this slate or, or any stacks I should ask you that resonated with you from what I talked about or even even that just resonated with yourself before I even said a word about the Saturday slate?
4: The, the Brown stack seems intriguing, especially the Watson, obviously a third week back could Maybe see some momentum going in a, in a probably really sloppy game against Baltimore and the Joku. I just pulled it up on here, he dominated them in week seven, and that's with percent. So, this is Joku maybe coming back into his own. Obviously, it's two straight weeks of touchdowns, seven touch, seven targets in week seven, seven catches in week seven. He was annihilating them. I think he's a sneaky play, too. And then I do like the Justin Jefferson call out. I mean, when you look at this slate here, obviously, you're either taking Diggs or you're taking Tyreek Hill or you're taking Jefferson. Diggs is going to be in a potentially seven feet of snow. There's not going to be seven feet of snow on the field, but it's going to be sloppy. Hills looked a little banged up on Sunday Night Football, and Jefferson was coasting. I'm just kind of riding the hot hand. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that game, you know, it's probably going to end up being a little popular, but all games are going to be popular. So, I mean, I definitely think that Vikings-Colts game is where – especially if you're playing cash games, I think that's where a lot of your your ownership should end up rotting. That you know, In cash, um, maybe I'm not playing Matt Ryan as my cash quarterback, but I think you can get away with doing that. Maybe you pay up for Josh Allen as your cash quarterback, and then you just get a bunch of pieces from that, that Vikings, if you can afford it, a bunch of pieces from the Vikings-Colts game. But yeah, I really like the Matt Ryan stack, um, particularly over Kirk Cousins. And I think Deshaun, like I said before, and like you just reflected, Deshaun Watson, I, I feel like, you know, we got one bad game and then we got one, you know, average game and it's like, okay, well, he has all of his weapons now and he's now graduated to his third game. It's very possible. We see sort of the, the old Deshaun Watson. And if that's the case, uh, you know, on a three game slate against the Baltimore defense that could be reeling, particularly offensively, which could create some easy scoring opportunities for Watson and company. I mean, obviously Nick Chubb is in that conversation too, but that it just makes, it makes too much sense. So,
4: yeah. All Are right, you, cool. Do you Go stay ahead. away from Tua completely or do you think so many people will be off him that maybe there's value?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I don't think so many people, but people will be off of it, to be honest with you. I think Tua will – you know, I think it depends on the weather. I think if the weather becomes like a non-issue to most people, I think people will start to look at that game a little bit more and they'll start to want to play Tua – I think Tua because he's been a little underwhelming, you know, particularly on you know national TV the other day. I think people are a little intimidated from playing him, so I do think his ownership is going to be depressed. In which case, he's certainly a smart play if Tyreek Hill is healthy. And honestly, even if Tyreek is, health, is healthy, I, I may do a Tua stack to Waddle. I want Tyreek to be healthy to to command a lot of the coverage, obviously. So I think Tua to Waddle is very very much in play, and and maybe maybe you throw in Mostert there or uh, you know a Trent Sherfield to get different. So, yeah, I absolutely think two is in play. I'm not super fond of it at Buffalo. You know, I did see a stat earlier today where, you know, there's only so much of a sample size with two in the NFL. So you got to take these stats with a bit of a grain of salt. But in in sort of sub-32 degree weather or 30 degree weather, whatever it was, you know, he has zero wins or something like that. And, and there is something to be said with going to Buffalo in very cold weather that you're not used to playing in because you're normally playing in Miami and making the other team die of like heat exhaustion because they're always in the sun and you're in basically the the shadow the air conditioning so I think two is fine I just don't think I, I think I would I'm gonna end up staying true to what I said before which is Matt Ryan Deshaun Watson and maybe I pepper in Josh Allen but I I have no problem with the Tua stack and I certainly have no problem with taking the Jalen Waddle piece out of that game and maybe skinny stacking it with maybe you go after James Cook but maybe I skinny stack it with like Stefan Diggs, if I can afford it, maybe I just try to get super cute and do Dawson Knox or Isaiah McKenzie or Gabriel da- or Gabe Davis because they're all priced really, really softly. Gabe Davis might be that guy, actually, I think because he's been very underwhelming. If you remember on the prop show on Friday, Zach, maybe you weren't watching it, but I had the Gabe Davis under a 48 and a half receiving yards, which against the Jets, I thought was a super solid play. This could be the Gabe Davis spike week. And on a short slate, if you get the Gabe Davis spike week, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be in the money, you know, one way or the other. So I think Gabe Davis in a skinny stack with Waddle is very much in play for me. Um, any questions from the chat? We see um, Eli asks, "Who's better, Giants or Bucks currently?" Just the better team, Zach. You want to comment on that before we get to the Sunday slate stuff?
4: I really don't want to comment on that because I think it will anger both fan bases. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're both in a pretty tough spot, but I think the Giants probably have a better shot to. To have a good turnaround but the bucks it, it's it's not looking great so
2: here's the thing they both have a lot of injuries but the giants are so injured They, you know they have the better coach they're so injured with the skill positions so here's here's how i think this question should be framed zach on a neutral field who wins this game or or what's the spread you know because I mean, maybe the spread doesn't matter as much because I think the Bucs would be favored on a neutral field by like two and a half. That's just my guess because of the reputation Tom Brady brings. And he still has all his skill position, guys, for the most part. But, you know, I think I expect the Bucs to beat the Giants on a neutral field.
4: I don't know. We're going to see. I think the Giants make or break game is uh, Sunday night against Washington. And we'll kind of see what what they've got because they weren't looking great against as they played philly on sunday that wasn't pretty at no, all no and i think they've lost I think they're one in five in the last six and that's not great so yeah
2: speaking of stats grande flamingo is in here uh thanks for being here grande hit the like button if you haven't already he says see you with the great pick so you're referring to the props i'm sure which i gotta tell everybody because this doesn't always happen i'm not like you know listen i do a sh- i do a prop show on friday at four o'clock among many early edge shows that i do zach but i do that with prop stars uh, everybody in this chat should know who PropStars is. You follow him at PropStars. That's with a Z at the end. He's the best prop guy I know. So I'm on a show with a guy that I think is certainly better than me at props. But I got to say, I've only had two losing weeks this entire NFL season on props. Some some I, I sometimes mix in against the spread picks. But over the last 16 picks, which is, just spans two weeks, over the last two weeks, I'm 14 and two on prop plays. I think there's one or maybe one against the spread play that's mixed into that. But on the official plays that I put out on the early edge, 14 and two over the last uh, two weeks. So everybody definitely watch that that prop show, that NFL prop show. It's four o'clock on Fridays. And then we do the final bets show on Sunday. I do all the primetime NFL shows with coach and prop stars and Mike McClure and and all that. So definitely have your alerts on for the early edge. Grande, thank you uh, for coming in there. All right. I think it's time. I'm going to do this so fast because I don't want this show to be super long. But I felt like I had to do the Saturday slate because it comes before the Sunday slate, obviously. And I think, you know, the wheels should probably be probably be in motion for people because that's going to be upon us first. All right. So the Sunday slate. Um, 10 games. So relatively short slate, not a ton of high totals. You know, the Eagles at the Bears is a 48 and a half point total. That's a nine point spread. Um, That's certainly a great game to play. Again, we always have to keep an eye on weather uh, and we'll have sort of weather reports, if you will, on Thursday, because Mike usually is kind of up to speed on that stuff. Cowboys at Jaguars. I think that's going to be a popular game. Again, we're talking about the Sunday slate now, which, by the way, you see at the top of the screen here, we have the contest set up already for Sunday and Saturday. So for those of you that came in late, it's five bucks for the Saturday contest. It's five bucks for the Sunday contest. Um, let's get those filled up uh, right away. Cowboys at Jags, 48. It's a five-point spread. Chiefs at Texans, 48 and a half, 14-point spread. Um, don't let that spread, the 14-point spread, intimidate you from playing this game because it's not going to intimidate anybody else. We know what we saw from the Texans last week. That doesn't mean they're going to cover the 14-point spread, but it does mean we have a renewed confidence that the pass catchers, namely Chris Moore, who's only 4,200 on this slate, uh, can have some production. Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett, Mari Rogers, they're all in play just like they were last week which this show talked about at length on Thursday. So again, I got a lot of private messages thanking me, which you certainly don't need to do uh, because I make bad calls too, by the way, um, about the Chris Moore play. I jammed him in everywhere I could and it sounds like a lot of other people did as well. So really, really happy to hear that. The only other game that has a reasonably high total is the Titans at the Chargers, which should be a very popular game. Shouldn't be any sort of weather concerns there. That's a 46 point total. And we know you can pass on the Titans and we know you can... Really do anything you want on the Chargers, but we know Derrick Henry can run on the Chargers. So if that game can stay close, we know Derrick Henry is going to be in play for four quarters, and we know you can't really run on on the Titans. Certainly, if you're the Chargers, you can't run on the Titans. So it's a very easy stack to just like Justin Herbert to pick your receiver or running back. You know, because Austin Eckler is a receiver as well, and Derrick Henry on the other side. Very easy, you know, stackable game. You could actually supplement Derrick Henry with a Conkwo if you want, or you know, take a shot at Nick Westbrook-Akene or Robert Woods or or what have you. Uh, Dr. L. Hilliard looks like he is going to be out. So maybe a few more carries and pass catches for Derrick Henry, something to keep in mind. But let's get to the quarterbacks. We have it up here already, thanks to Zach. Listen, Jalen Hurts, I'm not going to argue off of Jalen Hurts. He's been so efficient. He's been so productive. The Chicago defense is terrible. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't know if I'm playing him this week because I, there's other guys that I like. But if you want to play Jalen Hurts and you want to rely on the efficiency and the production, uh, great, because it's probably going to pay off. I I don't even know what to say about him. He's been so good. I doubted him as a thrower a year ago, and I don't doubt that anymore. I've seen enough of a sample size. I mean, he is dropping it in the bucket to these receivers. It's amazing, and we know what he can do with his legs as well. So props to Jalen Hurts. He is absolutely crushing it. The quarterbacks I'm interested in are further down. So we have Patrick Mahomes. I love him. I, I I already mentioned I love Pacheco as well. I think you can stack Mahomes with, you know what Juju I think is definitely in play. Travis Kelsey's in play. Marcus valdez Scantling, you know he was somewhat involved last week. He caught one of three targets. He just doesn't catch the ball. You know it's kind of like Nelson Aguilar last night where it's just like, hey he's getting open but he's just not. I mean Aguilar had an okay game but there were a lot of situations where he could have had a much bigger game last night. Uh, he was a guy I was on uh, in DFS yesterday in my in my showdown slates. But anyway. Yeah, I like Patrick Mahomes a lot with, um, and I like Pacheco a lot. So I think you could potentially pay Mahomes, play Mahomes with Pacheco and just call it a day and then run Chris Moore back or something like that. Uh, but I think that game is a really great game to play. Other quarterbacks I like, I already mentioned Justin Herbert, 7,200. I think Justin Herbert is very much cash viable, maybe more so than Mahomes, because we know Herbert has to throw we actually know that he has to throw they can't Joshua Kelly looks pretty good between the tackles by the way I've always liked Joshua Kelly um, more than most but I I think we're going to see a ton of pass attempts from Justin Herbert so I think in cash he's viable at 7200 versus Mahomes so you have to pay the extra 900 for Uh, I like Dak a lot actually I thought I think Dak's looked bad for two weeks in a row actually against Indianapolis I actually thought he looked bad I keep saying actually I'm sorry but I just I want to emphasize that point because they completely blew out the Colts but I thought Dak looked bad in that game. He, his throws weren't precise. I, don't, I didn't think his decision-making was very good either. They just ended up blowing out the Colts because the Colts are the Colts. But I think this is a potentially a really good comeback spot for Dak, and I really like this stack. I think Dak at 6,200 is tremendous value, and I think you could probably include him in, in your cash game lineups as well, as you can Trevor Lawrence. Um 6,000 at home against Dallas. Trevor's at a, at a, at a new level. I don't think he's at an elite level, but he's certainly at a new level and Jacksonville is in the playoff conversation. You know, they're not completely out of it and they're playing well. So I think that game has fireworks written all over it. I like the Dak side of it. Dak, a double stack to Ceedee lamb and Dalton Schultz. Who's really been emerging from a target and uh, efficiency standpoint. I think that's in play. Obviously Tony Pollard is in play. I mentioned Zeke last week because I thought in that game against Houston, they were going to use more Zeke than Pollard ended up being true. But this time I would be going Pollard over Zeke 100% of the time. Uh, Other quarterbacks uh, I'll just mention in that 5k range, Mike White, if if he's healthy, you're kind of, you know, he thinks he's going to play and I think he's going to play one more tough hit to the ribs and he's, he's going to be out of that game. So that's the risk you take, but they're playing at home against Detroit. I don't think weather is a big issue in that game. It's going to be cold, but from, from what I've checked in the sort of the, 10-day forecast. It doesn't look like there's going to be wind, rain, or precipitation to uh, to worry about. Uh, Davis Mills against Kansas City. You know, I'm not getting involved with that. Mac Jones at Vegas. I wanted to point him out because he's 5,000. I think that's interesting. Also, 5,000 is Colt McCoy. Don't forget. Unfortunately, Kyler Murray is out for the year with a torn ACL. So, Colt McCoy. I mean, if you want to get really contrarian at Denver, that's probably not a good idea. I'm just kind of pointing him out because he's just kind of a new guy to pick from. If I'm dipping down low it's probably Andy Dalton at 5,200 or Mike White at 5,400. Otherwise, I'm playing Trevor Lawrence at 6,000, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going to have to narrow it down from there, but the the four quarterbacks I really like are Mahomes, Herbert, Dak, and Trevor. Of those quarterbacks, the ones I like for cash the most are probably Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. I think Dak is fine as well, but those those would be my cash quarterbacks. We can bring up running backs real quick as well. We see at the top of the running back list Austin Eckler. You can play him if you want. Just keep in mind that now Justin Herbert has his full complement of weapons. That includes Keenan Allen. It includes Mike Williams, of course, until he gets injured again. Uh, I should say the same about Keenan. Like these guys get injured a you know, decent amount as of late. But Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then you got Josh Palmer, who's commanding. He's still commanding some targets. And of course, you know DeAndre Carter, and then they've got like a host of tight ends. It's not just Gerald Robert. It's like Trey McKitty and um. Some other guy, I'm forgetting his name right now. But the point is, Austin Eckler doesn't necessarily get as many looks now in the passing game as maybe they were leaning on him for three, four weeks ago. That doesn't mean he can't break the slate. It doesn't mean he can't get 10 catches in 12 targets, but it's just something to keep an eye on because now that you know, now that Justin Herbert is confident in all of his pass catchers because they're all healthy, it's a slightly different story for Austin Eckler. And, and frankly, from a rushing standpoint, he just doesn't have it. They're not leaning on him for that. There's, there's a lot more Joshua Kelly. Um, as of last week. And that makes sense because he's he's a little bit better between the tackles these days. Um, Joshua Jacobs, I wonder what's going on with him. PSA to Josh Jacobs. And I don't know if he watches this show, but I don't know, maybe Josh, um, that broken finger thing, just please stay out the rest of the season and get your contract next year. Uh, even if you get franchise tag, that's guaranteed money. It's probably going to be in the 12 to 14 million range, whatever it's going to be. I'm looking right at the camera because I want Josh to listen to this ride that broken finger into not playing the rest of the season because running backs get completely screwed over. It's the most unfair position in all of sports because you get a bad contract on the front end because you're a running back and people don't want to spend a high pick on you. And if you actually make it to your fourth or fifth year and you get a new contract, that's your one shot to cash in. So if you get injured anytime in the next three weeks, guess what? You're not getting the franchise tag. You're not getting a long-term contract and you just missed your opportunity to cash in. And there's no other position where I can say that. Yeah, of course, you can injure yourself and, you know, your career can be over at any position. But it's the running back position where you are, once you're damaged goods, there's a thousand guys behind you that people can draft in the sixth round or the fifth round or the seventh round, and they can take your spot so, so quickly. So that's my PSA to Josh Jacobs. I really, really hope he doesn't play the rest of this season. Derek Henry, I love Loved him last week, love him this week at the Chargers. As long as that game stays neutral, as in within, I mean, I, let's just put it this way. If that game's not a blowout, if it's within seven, eight, nine, ten 10 points, they're going to be using a lot of Derrick Henry. So I, I expect that to be the case. I like Tony Pollard at 7,100. I don't know if I'm getting there with Tony Pollard. We see Ramondre Stevenson here at 7,000. I don't think he's playing. I think it's possible that Damian Harris is ready next week so we can have that discussion at Las Vegas Um, on Thursday, once we get sort of some, some practice reports from Ramondre and Damian Harris, I think Damian Harris is very much in play at Vegas if he is healthy. And if we think he's getting a full complement of carries, don't forget, Pierre strong looked pretty good, uh, last night on Monday night football. And they have, you know, Kevin Harris who, who doesn't look very good. And they have, you know, a couple guys that they can use in, uh, Marcus Jones. Maybe they'll use him a little bit in the backfield too. We'll, we'll see. Um, other running backs I like, I, I, you know, I, from a contrarian standpoint, I think Kamara at 6,800 is interesting just because I think people are fed up with Kamara and they don't really want to use him anymore. But he does get a pretty good matchup at home against Atlanta. And don't forget, there's no Mark Ingram. I think he has a torn MCL. He's out for a little while. So, yeah, other guys might come in. You know, Taysom Hill might get some of those, you know, those Ingram carries or maybe somebody else. But I think Kamara probably gets a little bit more usage. And uh, I think against Atlanta... This is a potential pop spot for for Kamar, and I I wouldn't hesitate trying to use him. I don't know if I'm going to chase the points from Sanders last week. You guys remember I liked Sanders at 6,200 last week. Probably not going to play him at 6,500 this week, but it's a great matchup, and if you want to play him, that's absolutely great. At Chicago, Like it's just just a matter of how are the Eagles going to destroy Chicago. It's going to be through Jalen Hurts. Is it going to be through Miles Sanders? I don't know. Uh, I think Miles Sanders is a fine play, though. I just don't think I'm getting there. I, I mentioned Isaiah Pacheco already. I think Travis Etienne at 6,000 is an interesting contrarian play because speaking of guys that are people are fed up with, I mentioned Kamara in that vein. Well, people are fed up with Etienne, but I think Etienne can go off at any moment. And I think Dallas, we've seen in the past, has given up Not it's not that long ago that they've given up a ton of yards to and a ton of production to running backs. So the way the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing and and the way you kind of have to respect their passing game with guys like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, who apparently is a Hall of Fame tight end all of a sudden, the way you have to respect that, it it could allow Travis Etienne to to have some holes, maybe some more opportunities in the receiving game as well. So I think he's interesting. I like uh, Isaiah Pacheco a lot at 5,900. The only other guys I want to mention, Zonovan Knight at 5,300. Still presents tremendous value. In fact, if we could pull up his game log, Zach, uh, I want to I want to verify all the production that we got from Zonovan Knight last week against Buffalo. Seventeen. This is with Michael Carter back, by the way. Seventeen attempts, seventy-one yards, over four yards per carry. It's not terrible, uh, and two receptions on two targets. I mean, can I see a situation where against the New York Jets he replicates the seventeen carries and maybe gets four or five receptions and maybe gets a touchdown? maybe two touchdowns because Coach Sala wants to put his stamp on the Jets and Zonovan Knight as their featured running back until Brees Hall comes back. Yeah, I could absolutely see that against Detroit. Um, I like this game from a Mike White standpoint against Detroit a little bit more because Detroit's been a little bit better against the run lately than the pass. So if I have any confidence that Mike White is going to play four quarters, I am much more inclined to maybe target Zonovan Knight with Mike White and a pass catcher. Certainly Garrett Wilson's going to be in play yet again, but Elijah Moore's in play because Corey Davis has a concussion and I don't think he's going to play this week. The way these concussions are playing out, it's usually, you know, depending on the, you know, sometimes the concussion doesn't really look that bad and they take him into the 10. It's like, oh, well, you know, we've, we've done, we've got, we've come this far. You got to sit out the rest of the game, but some of them, you can tell it's like a real concussion. And I don't expect Corey Davis to be back. So we'll get to Elijah Moore's price in a second. By the way, it's 3600 spoiler alert. But I think guys like Elijah Moore against Detroit, and by the way, if it's Flacco, that's fine. I'll, I won't do the stack, but I'll still potentially play Elijah Moore as a cheap piece. I still like Garrett Wilson, and I certainly like Zonovan Knight at running back. Uh, Rex Burkhead, I feel like is worth mentioning at $4,600. Uh, Daria is is worth mentioning too in that Houston backfield because you know Benjamin was released today. And it, it doesn't look like Damian Pierce is going to play. So, uh, again, it's Tuesday. That can change. But, you know, if you wanted to take a shot on a, on a low price running back, Lagum Bawale and Burkhead are in play. Zemir White at 4,400, Abdullah 4,600. That's only if Josh Jacobs doesn't play. And, again, Josh, please don't play. Please don't play. Just wait for your contract. I'm begging you. Okay, let's go to the wide receiver position. Um, I'll point out a few here. Uh, and, by the way, if you have any DFS questions or Any questions, really, please put them in the chat, because I might, especially if you have redraft questions, I might bring, I know we're going kind of long because we had to cover two slates a little bit, but I'll probably bring Zach on at the end of the show to answer, to help answer some redraft questions. But if you have DFS questions, or if you think you have a really cool stack that you like that maybe I didn't mention, whether it's the Saturday slate or the Sunday slate, um, again, we want to get creative, especially on that Saturday slate with our stack. So, Do not hesitate to be unconventional on Saturday, but we're talking about Sunday still, so let's get to the wide receivers. At the top here, Devontae Adams. I mean, that's fine if you want to play him. I probably won't get there this week on on Devontae Adams. We know he can smash the slate at any time, just like guys like Jamar Chase, which is 700 cheaper than Devontae Adams. We talked about Justin Jefferson on the Saturday slate. These are guys that can absolutely smash the slate, but I don't think I'm going to get there with Devontae Adams. Man, they're coming off such a brutal Brutal loss. Uh, New England defense—they look like they have some holes, but I think this is actually a pretty good matchup for New England against a downtrodden, just down and out Las Vegas group coming off one of the most horrific losses I've seen in quite some time. I think this might be a good bounce back spot for the New England defense. So I'm probably off Devontae Adams. Uh, I do like Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, it's it's at Tampa Bay, so I don't think a lot of people are going to play him. I don't know if T. Higgins is playing. It doesn't look like Tyler Boyd is playing. It's a tough matchup. But if ownership is down on Jamar Chase because of the tough matchup, or at least the perceived touch, tough matchup, and if none of the other guys are going to be playing, like Tyler Boyd or, or T. Higgins, you know, we'll see about Hayden Hurst. Like, we've got to see how that receiver. Like, I, I kind of want one of those guys to play so that you know Jamar Chase doesn't have all the attention all the time. But I think Jamar Chase might be pretty underowned, underutilized in the DFS markets. So I think he's interesting there. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really interested in. A.J. Brown, I mean, obviously in a, in a Jalen Hurts stack, he's fine. And against the Chicago defense, he should, you know, let's not forget, we see a 10th opponent rank, but the Chicago, Chicago Bears defense is not the 10th best secondary. They've also, you know, sold off a lot of their pieces, you know, a few weeks back before the trade deadline. This defense has so many holes. It's just a matter of how those holes get exposed and and how long these Eagles players play if they play the, the full four quarters, which it's only a nine point spread, certainly. Uh, that's in play, but AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts stacks are absolutely in play. As are Jalen Hurts stacks with Devonte Smith. Am I getting there? I'm not sure. Probably not, but I bet Mike gets there. I bet when Mike gives out his top three quarterbacks, I don't want to bet on it because I've been so I've been doing so well in the prop market. I don't I don't want to have this on my official record. But it wouldn't shock me at all. We know he's going to have like a low end quarterback because we know Mike likes to do that. We we know he's probably going to be on uh, maybe Dak. I think let, let's predict it right now. He's going to be on Mike White. He's going to be on Dak, and then he's going to be one on one of the high-end quarterbacks. I don't think it's going to be Justin Herbert. I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. That's what I'm going with. All right, so let's go down to like the 6,600 range. I think Christian Kirk is interesting. People will want to get pieces of the. And by the way, I, you know, I just kind of passed over Keenan Allen. There's obviously good plays above, you know, Christian Kirk and below. Some of the guys we just talked about, like A.J. Brown. But the plays that I'm kind of focused on, I really like this Jacksonville game for obvious reasons. I think Kirk and Zay Jones are in play. I think most people will go to Zay Jones because it's a $1,700 discount, $4,900 versus $6,600. Did I just do that math wrong? No, it's right. Um, But I think Kirk is is one of those guys that he's not going to be contrarian necessarily, but I think he's one of those guys that probably gets under-owned. I think he's an interesting play. I like Zay Jones as well. I got to admit it. Chris Olave, I like at 6,500. I don't think a lot of people are going to play him. He's going up against a terrible Atlanta secondary. And I think Andy Dalton's a pretty good quarterback. And I think he's going to get the ball to Chris Olave. And, and I, I just think at 6,500, not a lot of people are going to go there. And so that's that's the main reason I like it. Mike Williams at 6,300, that's a pretty low price for Mike Williams. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of Justin Herbert, Mike Williams stacks. And maybe a lot of people are just going to fade Keenan Allen because yeah, he's going to gobble up some targets, but is he going to get in the end zone like Mike Williams? Is he going to be the red zone target like Mike Williams? The answer to that is maybe, but at Mike Williams' price, it certainly makes sense to do a Justin Herbert, Mike Williams stack. So I think he's definitely going to be in play there, but he's probably not going to be in play for me. Jerry Judy at 6,100. I don't know if Russell Wilson's playing. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to play, actually. So Brett Ripon to Jerry Judy, it could work. I don't know that Brett Ripon is a super huge downgrade right now from Russell Wilson uh, but I just don't think I'll get there with Jerry Judy, maybe more inclined to play you know, Dulcich rather than than Judy at this point. But I think Judy is a fine play. Other receivers I like. Garrett Wilson, I already talked about him. Of course, I talked about Elijah Moore at 3600. Juju, I, I think, is great, especially in, in Patrick Mahomes' stacks. DJ Shark at 4500 at the New York Jets. Uh, What's not to like forty five hundred is still a great price. Just keep in mind, there's a lot of other receivers that are healthy there.' So you are it's not that you're taking a chance. you're always taking a chance. but Josh Reynolds, uh, Jameson Williams, like th- there's a lot of there's a lot of mouths to feed at this point, but I still think DJ Shark at that price is a is a huge discount. chris Moore at forty two hundred. we talked about him. absolutely love Chris Moore again versus Kansas City. Uh, MVs, I'm not going to go there. I mentioned Elijah Moore. Here's one. So Chris Moore was thirty four hundred last week, and I absolutely loved him. Well, Laviska Chenault's 3,400. I just wanted to find somebody in the 3,400 range. Now, I don't know that DJ Moore is going to play. He has that ankle injury, which I think hampered him last week against Seattle. And LaVisca's 3,400. Now, if you look at his game logs, Zach, click on this real quick. We know going against Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh's secondary and defense is getting a little bit healthier. But with that said, you know, he had four receptions on four targets. And he had one rushing attempt for seven yards, which isn't much. It's not bad. I mean, for a 3,400 player, that's pretty good. But The way he was being utilized, I thought was super creative. And if you don't have DJ Moore, you're probably going to have to like maintain that creativity, especially in in the passing market, if you will. We know they've got a host of running backs with uh, Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman and Blackshear, who, by the way, I think is is very good as well. But I think it's going to be like the LaVisca Chenault show through the air. I really do. Uh, I mean, obviously, Terrace Marshall is going to be involved, but I think LaVisca gives you so much more... um, I don't know, diversity with your plays and your play calling. And I I just think it's, LaVisca is a little bit hard to plan for. And at 3,400, I think that's a shot I'm willing to take. So I just wanted to point that out. Okay, let's go over the tight ends really quick. And then we'll go to any questions you guys have in the chat. If you haven't already hit the like button, go ahead and hit it. Thank you for everybody that already has. And if you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do that. If you like this podcast, if you hit on Chris, if you listen to this podcast and you didn't play Chris Moore last week, I am very disappointed in you. I'm looking at the camera very disappointed in you. With that said, you can cure that disappointment by going to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you re- review, review your podcasts and uh, give us five stars and, and tell us why you like the podcast. I'd actually really appreciate that. Anyway, hopefully you all played Chris Moore. Okay, tight end. Travis Kelsey, certainly in play. I don't know that I'm going to get there. Um, maybe in my Patrick Mahomes stacks, I get there, but maybe not, to be honest with you. I might play Patrick Mahomes naked. I might I might play him with Juju maybe throw on Pacheco. I haven't decided how I'm going to do that. It's just really expensive to do Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Uh, I think the the quarterback or the tight end du jour for everybody won't be a secret folks. 4,400, Mr. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is, has been a absolute monster with the targets, especially last week. If we can click on his game log real quick, I want people to see this. who are watching on YouTube. I mean, this is, this is elite stuff. Six percent six receptions on 10 targets for 87 yards. I mean, this is elite, elite stuff. The week before, six targets. Don't forget, when you look at his game log, you know, prior to that in Green Bay, we saw six uh, six catches on eight targets. But prior to the, the Green Bay game, middle of the season, he was working off an injury. He, he missed a couple of games. And I actually think I got to go back and check, and I'll, and I'll know this for the Thursday show. I think Jake Ferguson might be injured, which means that that's less tight end targets for Dalton Schultz to compete with. I mean, their their third string tight end is Peyton Hendershot, who actually is kind of a fun player to watch, but I don't think he's going to be on the field much. And if he is, he's probably not going to get a ton of looks relative to Dalton Schultz. So Dalton Schultz is your your cash game tight end. I'll tell you that right now. He'll be very popular on this slate. He should be. He's an easy piece to put in, in in a DAC double stack. You know, it's going to be DAC to CD and Dalton Schultz. A lot of stacks are going to start like that. So maybe you want to consider you know, doing something different. But I don't know that I would do something. I would probably do something different by taking CeeDee Lamb out and putting in like Pollard or Michael Gallup and just keeping Dalton Schultz in there. That's how I would probably play that in terms of being different. But if I just want a conventional build, Dak, Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, you bring it back with Christian Kirk or Zay Jones or Zay Jones and Travis Etienne. I think that's a really interesting construction. It's going to be a little chalky, but most people I don't think are going to throw Etienne in that stack. So I think that that 3-2 could be really interesting if that game shoots out. Um, I'm going to have a lineup that has those five in it. I'll tell you that right now. One of my, you know, seven or eight tournament constructions will have that construction. I can promise you that. And hopefully we're going over it next Tuesday when we do our recap because it's like I hit an outright or something. Okay. The only other uh, running backs uh, or excuse me, tight ends I want to consider. Cole at 3,800, negative game script. You know, let's not forget Justin Fields is back. And I probably should have mentioned him in in the quarterback portion of this. I'm not playing him. So, you know, you can play him if you want. He has plenty of upside. I think it's a tough matchup against Philly. But uh, Cole Komet's, I think, always going to be in play as long as Justin Fields is the quarterback. And 3,800 in a negative game script, you could do worse. Evan Ingram, I think he's fine in in those stacks. As a one-off, I don't think I'm going to chase the points, but I got to be honest, he looked great. And he had, what was it, 15? Okay, last thing we're going to do, we're going to pull up his game log. Did he have 15 targets last week? It, it, it's possible. Evan Ingram had 15 targets last week. He had so much crazy good production. Oh my god, guys, girls, 15 targets for Evan Ingram. What is going on? Like, what? What is that? I don't even like. I can like, I can't even process this. 11 receptions on 15 targets for 162 yards. Okay, so I'm going to back up. I'm going to retract my previous statement. When I said, Oh, I don't want to chase the points. I don't want to chase the production because it might be a one off. Well, yeah, it's true. It might be a one off. But when you're getting 15 targets, you know, I'm not chasing the 15 targets with Evan Ingram at 3,800. I'm chasing like half of that. You give me eight targets and I can justify that play at 3,800. So again, I'm not chasing that ceiling game. I'm chasing the idea that, okay, it looks like Evan Ingram is, you know, obviously that's matchup dependent to some degree, but, you know, and this is a bad matchup. Dallas is, does well against the tight end, but, 15 targets, uh, you're you're scheming some targets for Evan Ingram if he has 15 and if he's caught 11 of them. So I think uh, Evan Ingram is, is a great piece. So when I mentioned all those bringbacks, I mentioned Travis Etienne, I mentioned Christian Kirk, I mentioned Say Jones. Obviously, Evan Ingram belongs in that conversation. I'm probably not playing Okonkwu, but at 3,100, um, you can play him. Certainly has ceiling potential, particularly against the Chargers defense, but I can't play every tight end, right? So it's probably going to be Schultz for me in terms of order. It's going to be Schultz. Going to be Ingram and it's going to be Okonkwu. So maybe I get to Okonkwu in one or two lineups, but it's, it's going to be predominantly um, Dalton Schultz for me. I'm just going to take, I'm going to eat the chalk on that one. All right. That covers it. We'll cover defenses, of course, on Thursday when we um, go through our game by game preview. We're an hour and six minutes in. Zach, I do want to bring you on if you don't mind. And you can take this. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah. We've got the one shot. Now we have the two shot. All right. Does anybody have, did we have any questions that we missed? would you rather start a or dulcich
4: i like it not- I, I thought he was phenomenal on sunday fastest fastest 40 time at the combine this year and they don't really have, have no one else to throw to i mean you yeah. can't trust robert wood you can't trust westbrook akina they had some guy like uh, some other guy I forget his name like racy Mc, 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 mcmath or something like that like they oh no- mcmath yeah yeah yeah, 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 but yeah. by the way that guy had more targets than dj Moore last week which was i don't even know existed that guy they He he was born on uh, Sunday, but no. But this Conk was an incredible athlete, and I think Tannehill maybe trusts him. And so, yeah, and and I think
2: the argument there too is that the Chargers just allow so much through the passing game. Now, the the converse of that, of course, is that Arizona, who Dulcich plays, they don't really cover the tight end well. But then you're also dealing with Brett Ripon, and you're dealing with a game script that I think is going to be far different from that Tennessee versus Chargers game script in terms of like kind of letting it fly. I could absolutely see Arizona and Denver playing it super close to the vest in, in a very boring game script with two backup quarterbacks and just sort of two lost seasons. So, yeah, I would rather go – I would take the uh, the upside with Okonkwu, but I got to admit, I think Dulcich's floor is better than Akonkwu because we could see a game where Okonkwu gets one target and zero catches. That's the Akonkwu experience. Now, he has the ceiling, so play him in DFS, but um, don't be disappointed if, if he has one catch for seven yards and, you know – has a bunch of air yards, but just you know didn't didn't catch him. Uh, looks like Oni has Oni Ana, which is a cool name. Judy Thielen or Rashad White flex spot.
4: Probably got Judy after last week. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd want to count on Thielen. Um, and I don't think I'd want to count on Rashad White. They play um, it's it's super helpful if you put the teams in there too, but that's I know that's asking a lot. Rashad White plays the the Buccaneers play who again. Sorry,
4: I should know that. Pull it up again right here. They play Cincinnati.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can play with Shad White, but I, I think I'd go Judy. I agree with Zach. Uh, Enzo. What about Hubbard more more? I don't know what that means. So I'm going to skip that one. Oh, Elijah Moore or Chris Moore. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Actually, you know, believe it or not, I, I like, I shouldn't say believe it or not. I like Chris Moore. Zach, I don't know if you agree, but I like Chris Moore over Elijah. Elijah Moore is emerging. And I think against Detroit, he could absolutely have a ceiling game. I think I trust Chris Moore's floor. I, And so if you're asking for DFS, I think they're like kind of equal because I think they could potentially both go off. If Cordy Davis is out, I think Elijah Moore could absolutely go off. And I I don't think it matters if it's Joe Flacco or Mike White. I think he could go off in both scenarios. But I I trust Chris Moore's floor. So I almost want to say, Zach, Chris Moore for cash, Elijah Moore for tournament. What say you?
4: I might even play Chris Chris Moore in redraft this week. He had 12 catches the other day. This dude's phenomenal. And that um, might be
2: what he's asking. Frankly, yeah. that might be what he's asking.
4: Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I assume he's going to be a little bit more expensive this week than he was in week fourteen. But I mean, like, who else is they throwing to? The Vittoriano, the uh, freaking uh, Rex Burkhead. There's no one else there. Yeah, Cooks are and Collins are out. It's Chris Moore
2: yeah no it's it's chris moore it's it's potentially amari rogers who flashed a little bit and philip dorsett i think is sort of out of the conversation philip dorsett can flash but he's not going to get the targets the other two guys are going to get and he's not going to get the like the catch rate for dorsett is always going to be especially with bad quarterbacks is always going to be worse um than chris moore and uh amari rogers in in this case
4: i think, I think dorsett that's was all... like he traded for brissette a couple of years ago when um because Dorsett was a first round pick for the Colts, and they flipped, they swapped with the. Mm-hmm. How long, Chris? That's how long Dorsett's been in the NFL. Bunch of teams. Yeah,
2: yeah. Philip Dorsett from the University of Miami.
4: Yeah, so we Jacoby got Jacoby Brissett. I don't know. One what up he- here actually from right before the show started. Lawson Smith, twelve team half PPR. Gino or Lawrence or Mike White, probably leaning Lawrence after last week. Yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Gabe Davis, Olave, Godwin. Gabe Davis, Alave, Godwin McLaurin, Kirk, Rashad White, and Stevenson, and CMC. So, obviously, you're going to keep CMC in there. Stevenson, we don't know if he's going to play. He got banged up a little bit last night in Arizona. Yep. Probably and Terry. Terry on Sunday Night Football? And maybe Alave yeah. in there?
2: Yeah I, like, I, yeah, I would probably stay away from, from – I think Godwin's fine. But I'd probably go with – man, Kirk is in an interesting spot too. But I'd, I'd probably go with Alave and – McLaurin. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Kirk is right there. I think you could justify Kirk there. I don't think Stevenson's going to play. And if he is, he's probably sharing the backfield and he's probably going to be um, pretty gimpy. Enzo at the bottom here says, do you see Pierre Strong getting some play this weekend? I mean, only only if Damian Harris is, is out. And then I think Pierre Strong assumes probably the, the 1A role um, with, with a, just a bunch of guys in the 1B role. But um, Pierre Strong did look good.
4: I never heard of him before last night, so that, that kind of... My judgment a little bit of whether I'm going to start him in a, in a lineup. Um, yeah. I believe there's actually one more on me. here. I don't know if you What's so, that? Uh, um pick three rest of the season, golf, Brady, Danny dimes or Kirk cousins. Um, I think, I think
2: all. Yeah. I, I, I think Brady's the one that's on the outside looking in on that one, to be honest yeah. with you.
4: Yeah. I think it's golf cousins. And then you can make a case for, dimes or brady but yeah then, at least you know.
2: with daniel jones you're you're getting the rushing yards yeah. so yeah I, I just i i'm sure brady is going to have a good game before the season's out but i don't know when it's going to happen and i I'd, I'd rather lean on the uh the daniel jones perceived floor personally
4: yeah. the last one i've seen here that we've touched on etn or walker i'm concerned about both of them um ETN, I don't know what that was the other day. I don't think he was hurt. I don't think he was an injury report. He was complete non-factor. They were just throwing it, and they weren't looking his way. And then Walker's right. banged up. Um I, I don't know. I think it's a coin flip.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, first of all, well, yeah, Walker being banged up, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to monitor the practice reports. I mean, it sounded like he had a shot to play last week. I think that's total garbage. I don't think he ever had a shot to play last week. I think that's Pete Carroll being Pete Carroll. Yeah. If he plays this week, I mean, yeah, I, I think you play him, but – I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's banged up. I wouldn't, I still have faith in, in, in running out Travis CTN, to be honest with you. I, you know, he wasn't efficient, obviously. I mean, he had 17 rush attempts against Tennessee for only 32 yards, but listen, that's a pretty good rush defense. You beat Tennessee through the air. You don't beat them through the rush. So, you know, I wish he had more receiving work. I mean, zero targets in two of his last three games is is pretty crazy to me, but listen, when Trevor Lawrence is clicking, this is goes for a lot of quarterbacks. When you're clicking and you have faith in your receivers then you're not really like, you know, your your running back's usually going to be your last read or at least one of your last reads. You're going to look at Kirk, you're going to look at Zay Jones, and uh, apparently you're going to look 15 times at Evan Ingram and then you're going to, you know, dump it. So the problem with ETN is that Trevor Lawrence is just, you know, going through his progressions and he's seeing open receivers before he gets to ETN. I still have faith in ETN um, rushing the ball effectively, personally, and I think Dallas is going to need to respect the pass. I think all these teams are going to need to respect the pass right now from Trevor Lawrence. So I I think, again, Guys like Travis Etienne in tournaments, guys like Alvin Kamara in tournaments that people are kind of down on. Those are the guys that, especially Kamara, we know they can have spike games. And those are the type of guys that you can pass the entire field with because they're at 7% ownership or whatever, sometimes even 4% ownership. But even if it's under 10%, I bet you Kamara is going to be well under 10% this week,
4: in my opinion. They got one uh, DC resident, that might be Dan Snyder's burner here. What up, Sia? Love the show. Go Washington Dean, Adams Adam. Morgan. The first Adams Morgan reference I've seen in the chat all season. Which is
2: Great awesome. reference, Francois. I assume that's how you pronounce your name. Yeah, Adams Morgan, that's a fun spot. Listen, before we, before we break, we've taken up so much time. Thanks for everybody staying with us, by the way. A lot of you have stayed with us. I appreciate it. Zach, I got to ask you this. So, I'm not going to reveal my age, even though I, I do that all the time, but in this particular segment, I'm not going to reveal my age. But, I've been a Washington fan for longer than you because I'm much older than you, Zach. But let's just go back to 1991, the last time Washington won a Super Bowl with Brett Rippin, by the way, who is not, for the record, who is not the father of um, Mark Rippin, of course, was the quarterback in 91. But he's not the father of Brett Rippin. He's, He's his uncle, I believe. So just FYI. And it's pronounced Rippin for those of you that keep saying Rippian. Okay. That's the last time Washington was relevant. That's literally over 30 years ago. So, Zach, I have to ask you this. Did you think coming into this season that in week 15 of this NFL season, not only would Washington have a near playoff situation against an NFC East foe, but that the game would be so big that the embarrassment that has been the Washington commanders slash whatever we called them before, including the Washington football team, that that basic, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but embarrassment is going to be flexed. To Sunday night football. Yeah. I, I would.
4: No, no, I don't think they've do done Sunday night football since they played Tampa in the wild card.
2: I, you know, they get some primetime opportunities because it's still a relatively like decent market. But usually when they get those primetime opportunities, whether it's Monday night, Sunday night or Thursday night, they usually bomb like bomb. Yeah. And the fact that they are relevant and it's mid-December and that the NFL thought enough of them and the New York Giants to say, you know what? These two teams that like nobody cared about before the season started from a a being relevant standpoint, we're going to move you to the featured game that the entire country and the entire world is going to watch. Like that makes me feel good as as a Washington fan. And it makes me feel better than most. And what I mean by that is, yeah, well, when your team is like the Chargers and they get flexed or Kansas City and they get flexed to the Sunday night game. Great. Like, yeah, I'm sure you guys are really proud of your team, but like you've had a plenty to celebrate I mean, like that's a W for Washington fans. Just the fact that they got flexed is a W. That's that's our perspective at this point. We yeah. we already got a W.
4: Yeah, when they're when they're good, when they have like a kind of solo a solo game, it's awesome. But when they're getting the the you know what kicked out of them like last year against Dallas, it's brutal because you can't turn it off. And there's nothing. On yes,
1: that.
4: <laughs> that's right. Because that one last right. Dallas when. Uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen were getting into it on the sideline and it was a disaster. I mm-hmm. don't think we're gonna see that against the Giants because the Giants have been struggling. But I'm hoping it's a good one because the matchup was a two weeks ago it was phenomenal and maybe both teams are healthy. Washington's coming off a bye, so it's gonna be interesting.
2: Well, you say Deron Payne, and it reminds me of prime time. Like, we get embarrassed on prime time all the time. Like, we get embarrassed on prime time over the last 30 years, at, at, and I'm not joking, and we'll close the show here, but at like an 85 to 90% rate. And it reminds me, when you said Deron Payne, it reminded me of LaRon Landry, who was trash talking Deshaun J- Jackson and, and Michael Vick like 15, 12, 15 years ago for, for Monday Night Football, and the very first play of the game, Michael Vick. Drops back and throws an 80-yard touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson. And guess who was covering Deshaun Jackson? Leron Landry. That game, and I have to go back and verify this, I'm pretty sure Michael Vick threw like six touchdown passes or threw five and ran one in. It was embarrassing. And that has been the embodiment of the Washington Commanders' experience for 30 years. And hopefully on Sunday, we can sort of shift the momentum and start a new path. That's my hope certainly a good situation. Speaking of good situations. Now all the listeners are in a very good situation because you've heard the Saturday slate early look. You've heard the Sunday slate early look. You've heard the lineup recap for week 14 and you get to hear me and maybe Zach and definitely Mike McClure at four o'clock. That's going to be our new time just for this Thursday, four o'clock on Thursday. We're doing our game by game preview. We're going to touch on the Saturday slate. Of course, we're going to obviously go through every single game of the Sunday slate I'm very excited for it. We only have so many regular season weeks left, so let's all embrace it. Everyone, go review this pod if you haven't already. We appreciate you being in here live. We appreciate you listening after the fact. Register for the FFT DFS contest. My name is Sian That is Zach Brook. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We will see you on Thursday.